0: barrio all over the place i need to get some of that stuff i know um especially since craft brewing has has become so much more popular like in the last i'd say decade decade and a half oh yeah there's some some really good stuff out there but if you didn't go to that region you would never know that it existed you know what i mean yeah yep craft brewing and
1: man buns yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah good morning dd214 fam we are here, at season two, episode twenty. Today, we are joined by Amazon best-selling author, teacher, powerlifter, and family man, Chris Patterson. What's going on? How you doing today, Chris? Good morning. Good, doing well. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Um, before we get into the good stuff, I just want to give a major shout out. We have, um, of course, of course, I lost it. <laughs> I, I did lose it so we have a top 10 of members who ah. so we have okay we have top 10 contributors here that I want to shout out real quick we're going to start from number 10 uh, I want a big thank you to John Walton Drew Kurse, Kyle Brown Chuck Lewis The LSG Show Patrick Dorflin Yvonne Bell at number four, Chalupas Gaming at number three, Deshaun Myers, who's here in the chat, good morning, Deshaun, is at number two, and S. Nichelle Grant is at number one. These are our top 10 contributors. Thank you, guys. We highly appreciate your love and support for for the group and the channel. Well, can
0: you hear me? Yeah, I got you. All Sorry. right, cool. Oh yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're I pull, good. I pulled up a little bit of audio. I, I always pull up. I, I live stream the. Uh, but I put it on mute. I had to put it on mute. I oh
1: yeah, no, 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 no apologies. This, uh, Major. this
0: is what this is why you're the producer and I'm just the guy that like drinks and
1: talks. I right. Will, but, I will. I will show you. I will show you the way. I will show you the way. How How was your How was your week, guys?
0: Um. Uh, I'll start real quick because I know we have a lot to get to with Chris. Um, I did finally get my DD two fourteen. Obviously, we were in Kansas City last weekend, so the first day we got back, I you know, we chilled out, and then the girls went back to school on Thursday. I went straight to the fort on Thursday, and got my DD two fourteen officially, and so I'm now an official member of the DD two fourteen club. So. My service to country is uh, basically it's it's not official yet. It won't be official until the second of October. But unofficially, I'm on terminal leave. I have a DD 214 in my hand along with my leave paperwork, which means it would basically take uh, something just shy of an act of God to get me pulled back in. So, <laughs> so we'll see and we'll see. Uh, I am still I am still in talks with the Missouri National Guard, so I haven't made a decision on that yet. But we'll see if they can if they can dangle a big enough carrot to uh, Pay for uh, some some free community college before I use my GI Bill when I move to uh, Kansas City later this year. So, <laughs> so yeah. How was your week, Chris?
2: That <laughs> yeah, was good, man. We started. Uh, it was the first week of football, so I'm, I'm a football mm-hmm. coach. I'm the head freshman football coach at the high school that I teach at, and so it was the first week. So uh, a lot of yelling and a lot of telling kids that they're really stupid because they are. So <laughs> trying to trying to turn uh, trying to turn half humans into real humans that's right that's exactly right and I and
0: John I know you, you probably don't know the history of this but uh, me and Chris uh, were on the wrestling team together uh, in high school uh, we've known each other since junior high but we didn't neither one of us uh, really not very I want to say was there anybody in our social circle that really played football
2: I don't uh, know if was, like,
0: our hardcore like
2: yeah no most... not, not really not past like our freshman year not past know. freshman year so yeah
0: so we never really played football but Chris uh, after he became a teacher and became involved in the, I guess the um, sports at at different high schools, became a football coach um, and actually really learned 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 the game very fast and very well. Actually, that you know some of these organizations and uh, institutions in in uh, in Arizona trusted him enough to take over a team, basically, even even at the uh, the frosh level. I like that's that. still um, that's kind of a major accomplishment, especially for for ones that have not. There's a lot of intricacies in football that people do not realize. And I've always wondered, Chris, like what, what got you into, you know, the, the football arena where you would have to learn all the intricacies that you never really had playing, you know, kids grow up playing Pee Wee, Pop Warner, you know, they have junior high leagues. And then you get to the high school level, the junior varsity and the varsity level where by that time you kind of, it's you're almost preconditioned to know like what's going on on the field. How did you how did you uh, overcome that Chris at, at becoming a coach sure. and you know
2: <clears throat> by the way if I if I move it's because I'm getting attacked by flies um, <laughs> uh, yeah you know what well, I've, I've been a wrestling coach at Sawarro high school where I graduated uh, for about four or five years and at the time we had a with a football coach that you know wasn't necessarily supportive or unsupportive of wrestling but uh, you know I wanted my initial goal was to help out in the weight room and if, get get kids to come out for wrestling and I knew that football was going to be kind of the avenue to do that so I started coaching and uh, you know just uh, started learning I mean I you know I knew the general basics of football and you know started learning how to coach it and I'm I'm I truly believe that you know, there are some people who go play football or any sport or an instrument, and then they can turn around and teach it to someone else. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that can do, but they can't teach, you know? Right. Right. So, um, you know, just because someone's a journalist doesn't mean they can teach English. Right. Uh, Very true. So, you know, I started, uh, yeah, I just started learning a little bit more. And, you know, like like you said, kind of some of the intricacies of football and, had an opportunity to uh um you know, there was a need for uh head coach at saguaro for the lower levels and so i took that on and then i was looking to make a change school district wise and there was a wrestling opening over at a uh, school called cienega and uh the new football coach over there just happened to call me up and tell me that he was also looking for a freshman football coach and um so yeah and so i mean i Love coaching football. It's a lot of fun. Wrestling is my passion, but um, I mean, if I had to choose between the two of them, it would it would be wrestling. But um, and I get a ton of kids to go out for wrestling because I coach football, and I get another opportunity to interact with uh, kids that I otherwise wouldn't interact with on campus. And um, and for me, because I'm not, you know, I I'm the head freshman coach, but I'm not the head coach, so it's an opportunity for me for about three months out of the year to not have to deal with all the, all the bullshit that uh, you're going to deal with as a head coach, as a head head coach, which oh, I deal right. with in wrestling. So it's kind of a nice little break to, to have a little bit of control, but not, not have to deal with, you know, all the, all the behind the scenes stuff that head coaches have to deal with. So.
0: All right. I want to tell a quick story too, John. Um, yeah, please. Right I, before, I
1: got, I want to hear it.
0: Well, right before, right before I went to, into the army, um and and chris will remember this uh the year before i went in the army i helped chris out uh, when he was coaching wrestling at at saguaro at our alma mater high school basically um and i was uh mainly an assistant coach for the junior varsity team um and then i moved away i moved to kansas city for about six months with my with my first wife and then that marriage ended very suddenly so i kind of ran back to arizona with my tail between my legs and realized, you know, on that road trip, I've, I've told the story in the podcast before. Like the two days it took me to drive back to Arizona from Missouri, um, I realized I was like, "Well, I, I think I'm going to try to join the army." You know, I, I need to do something like this. Life is not working out right now, but Chris turned around and gave me the opportunity to be the an, an assistant coach again. That for the second year in a row, basically, and. This time, instead of just coaching, I started doing the practices with the kids to get in bet myself in better shape before I went to basic training. Basically, so I was able to run around the wrestling room, you know, at twenty nine years 20- twenty twenty eight years old, you know, trying to keep up with with the uh, the young 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 men in that room, you know. But it helped get me back into better shape to uh, to go to basic and like get so you, I was able- get you ready. Yeah, I was at you know the wrestling the wrestling room when you're a young man uh, or woman in in high school era junior high it, it, it teaches you a lot of discipline and you learn a lot of lessons in that room and it was really cool to experience that again as an adult uh prior to making a life transition like such as joining the army so it was really neat and chris chris was chris was was part of that basically because he was the head coach and he got he was he, he was kind of calling the shots basically and the, the school administration can't really tell him no like what are they going to say no to extra help? You, you know what I mean. So, Jay,
1: did you do combatives while you were in?
0: Yeah, I did level one and level two for the army. That's combatives. Uh, that's a whole. <laughs> well, that, that's a can of worms, dude. We'll talk about combatives in the army another time. Like I.
1: Yeah, I, yeah.
0: On the. On I'm, the a, I'm, I'm, I'm a big. Fa- I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of teaching. Hand-to-hand combat and I think it's it's a it's a worthy thing But the way the army at least the army I can't really speak for the other branches the way the army trains it They need some work put it that way they need they need some work. Mm. So it's been it's been a, and I've been you know This has been the last almost 12 years of my life We do so much training, but there's also so much training that we don't do and it gets a little bit I, I get flustered as a as an NCO sometimes where Yes, we, we're doing this training over here, but there's all this training over here that, like, is probably good to know, or at least probably have to have a good baseline in, and we don't. Yeah. And it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yep. I mean,
1: so. Before, before I get to my week, let me just run down these. Good morning, Francesca. Deshaun Meyer says the VA just passed a policy where you can use vocational rehab without using your GI bill, essentially getting you eight years of college. Right.
0: Yeah. He's probably referring to when I was talking about the Missouri National Guard, because basically, like, I have the GI bill, but I'm going to try to double major, so I'm going to try to get a, a bachelor's. I'm trying to get two bachelors, basically, instead of one, if that makes sense. In order to do that though i need to get two associates degrees first without using my gi bill so the initial the original plan was to put myself put myself through community college and then transfer to a university and use the gi bill to pursue two bachelor's degrees the missouri national guard pays in-state tuition so i could join the guard for a few years and just do a weekend and a month and two weeks a year and you know basically get free community college before i use my gi bill so We'll see. We'll see if they dangle the big enough carrot. Nope. Yep. You know, like we'll, we'll see. Yep. We'll see.
1: Um, and as far as my week, uh, if you guys if you guys were watching, um, Chris, you look like a super evil villain right now. <laughs>
3: uh, Trying to figure <laughs> out here. No, uh, I'm still, no, we we'll complete,
1: no, we completely understand. No, no one, no one like no one likes a bug in their face. Honestly,
0: <laughs>
1: actually it looks kind of cool
0: yeah it looks like it looks like uh it looks like that that dude like in the shadows you know like yeah the mastermind behind it all you know it's like he's like kaiser soze sitting there yeah uh, you know, so, so yeah as you guys as
1: you guys know um so when we finished off our last episode last week live in kansas city i just love saying that um we went to go see the yankees versus the royals um we were first we started off over on the uh, first base side up, up on the up on the second floor and let me tell you for a stadium that holds 37,000 people you could be up in the nosebleeds and the and the players you could still make eye contact with them they, you could still scream at them and they could still hear you Kaufman yes. Stadium is so beautiful the 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 museum was amazing uh, every, everyone you know was listening was going with the rules it was it was a beautiful time you know my family and I, my wife and I, we highly, highly thank you for the week that you've given us and having that experience for them, having their first baseball sports game and, and Nikki, you know, yeah. I, well, I, said, I said you guys, I said you guys, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a hell, it was a hell of an experience. And then going, being able to go into the diamond club with you and to sit right behind where I could literally see the whites of the Yankees eyes. You know, right it was that 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 was unreal. That was unreal
0: and it well, and it, and it The the best part was it ended up being a really good game. It went to extra innings. Yeah And then you know like and then it was I was just made aware of this little factoid a couple of days ago But apparently that's the Kansas in. City Royals set a major league baseball record They erased a deficit in consecutive innings the seventh eighth ninth and tenth innings They erased a deficit in all four of those innings. That's never happened before in baseball. But true to Kansas City Royals form, they also ended up losing the game. So,
1: and we were there, know. and we were there for that history making moment. And you know, to my delight, the New York Yankees won.
0: Yes, they did.
2: You yes, know? they did. And you know although, what?
0: Although, although they played it, they 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 played that uh, that uh, that game against the, the White Sox in the cornfield a couple yes, days ago.
2: Did you see that? Did you see the beginning
1: of that? That yes, was that no. was.
2: Go that, ahead, John. Go that ahead. was
1: amazing. What did you think about that, Chris?
2: Oh, what I mean, that was cool. I, You know, I, I've seen Field of Dreams before, and I know that other people have um, uh, more of a sentimental reaction to Field of Dreams than I do, but it's still, it's an amazing movie. It's an iconic movie, and that was just an iconic uh, uh, thing that they put together with Kevin Costner. And... Oh, man. Oh, man. Now. The Yankees lost that game, right? Oh yeah. They lost they lost they lost
1: at the very end. It was like at the very end. What a play too. What a play. And and it was, I, it was a walk up home run, wasn't it? Oh yeah. yeah. And the yeah. funny part is I saw this I saw this meme that said the New York Yankees are the only team in MLB history to lose a game in Iowa. And you know what? It's okay. We're the New York Yankees. We'll take good records, we'll take bad records, we'll take all of them.
0: Roger that. Um, Roger that.
1: You know, but I'll, but,
0: t- I'll tell you what—the part at the very beginning when they went when they walked out of the cornfield, like that was like that was touching, like, man.
1: I turned around, I my chills. wife was
0: crying. I got, dude, I got chills, man. Like that's like, like, like what Chris was saying, like that. Me and my dad, like we we our bond is basically baseball, and so like I can't watch I can't watch Field of Dreams without turning into a fucking sobbing mess at the end, like where he's like, "Hey, Dad, you want to have a catch?" You know, it's like, and you just find me in the corner somewhere crying. You know what I mean, like, because because that 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 movie means a lot. You know what I mean. So to have them do that was really it's kind of special that they did that. So. Yeah,
1: and you know the the drive back home was definitely longer than the than the drive going <laughs> over there. But you know we we did the drive. We got back home. There was like this this such the strong feeling of relief once we once we got out of Illinois because that mm-hmm. was that was the game changer. That that state is a hell to drive through, and Indiana. Yeah. And then once we got to, like, Ohio, we're like, oh, Ohio. And then we hit Pennsylvania, and we're just like, yes, yes. And then we stopped in Pennsylvania, and we were just like, okay, we're stopping for, for a little bit. And, and we stopped, and we're back home. And I'm still, I'm still living in the moment. I'm going to work listening to Kansas City on iTunes, you know. Um, so. and, and I have to say the Rufus Teague barbecue sauce is the best barbecue sauce I've ever had in my life. Nice. That's the canned one, the the barbecue in the can. Yeah,
3: one in the
1: can. Yeah, that was delicious. I had I had it with the finest meats from McDonald's.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, and and it, it, it that was great. That was great. The 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 Jack Stack hot one. I didn't realize it was going to be hot sauce, but it's good, man. But again, thank you. I have about three hundred pictures that I'm sending you in your email today. Good. I hope that your computer doesn't fry up because of it.
0: No, this is, a pretty, this is a fairly new laptop, so it should be able to. I'm actually getting ready to purge a bunch of army stuff off my laptop because I, I had to get this laptop uh, last year actually because my previous laptop was. It still works, but it was taking a big crap, and because we were doing everything virtually, I needed a better yeah. system basically. And so, I basically have a functionally functionally a new a new laptop now that hopefully should last another. I, I pray like four or five years at least because I don't really use my laptop for anything other than business or business or uh, or work, basically, if that makes sense. So. So, yeah, but um, yeah. No, we were we were you we do were everything else you. with your phone. So. Well, we, we, we had a, we had a great time and yeah. I was we we were happy to have you. I'm glad I'm glad you got to experience, you know, um my my the place of my birth, you know, and it's going to be it's going to be my home um in about another uh four and a half months or excuse me three and a half months so we're looking forward to, we're, we're looking forward to getting back out there for good and yeah oh oh and by the way remember I kept telling you like because I grew up in arizona I'm like a rain curse like the day at like day after i left like they had a badass storm there in Kansas City and then like Chris is saying like two getting storms right now like i'm i'm in Colorado with no rain just no thunder no rain no nothing for jay like i'm just yeah
1: don't feel so bad we don't even got a cloud in the sky so what's up, Joe Poe what's up man what's going on Joe so now uh, bef- now before we get into Chris real quick um, if you guys know if you guys been watching the news um, unfortunately the Taliban has as the news is saying has taken another trophy um, they've take they've taken another one of their capital cities and um, as of this morning um, the news is reporting that they're moving in comfortably um, No, as you said, the president resigned.
0: Yeah, the president of Afghanistan is either he is either the there's there's varied reports right now, but he is either prepping prepping to or he has already announced his resignation. Like they're 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 the the Afghan the Afghanistan government is effectively rolling over and showing their bellies uh, to the Taliban. So uh, it's happening. I know I've seen a lot of stuff on my Facebook feed and on Reddit the last two two to three days. Um, before before I say anything that comes from my my own personal opinions, I want to preface all of this by saying that if you're a veteran and if you serve time in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, it's okay to have certain feelings and feel a certain way about this. I don't want to take away from anybody's feelings. Your feelings are valid. So I've seen a lot of comparisons to the Vietnam War um, regarding our conflict and our and our war. Um, for me, for me personally, this is again just me personally. This is my opinion um i'm not sure what anybody else really expected uh, having been in afghanistan three times um at least for me it was it, the writing was on the wall a long long time ago and i don't know what else anybody expected even especially after when we left iraq in 2013 2014 time era time, uh, time frame and basically the same exact thing happened and isis came in and filled a vacuum so we went back in helped uh helped uh, stamp uh, isis out for the most part and reclaim reclaim a lot of what they what they had taken. Um, I don't know what else what, what anybody expected. I really don't. Uh, I understand the feelings of loss and the feelings of what the hell was this for, I guess, to an extent. But for me personally, when I signed up, I knew what I was signing up for. Um, I don't know what, what anybody else really really truly expected. Like if you ever went on mission with the ANA, if you ever saw how the country operates, you know, on like a day-to-day, like between the cities and the rural areas if you've ever been to that country and seen how it operates you kind of just knew it wasn't going to happen
3: yeah you know
0: like this like whatever we we went in there primarily to find and eliminate osama bin laden uh take away any um government governmental support for terrorist organizations we accomplished those missions uh quite a long time ago actually now 20 years later um the taliban are moving back in which i remember reading news newspaper stories from 03 when we first started going into iraq that both conflicts were going to be open-ended and you know unwinnable scenarios basically whatever dude politicians politicians and the people way 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 above my pay grade in the military are the ones that lost this war we never lost we never lost a single pitched battle against any force of size on that battlefield in 20 years we walked across that battle space and did whatever the fuck we wanted for 20 years so we literally went into their country And we turned it into the fucking biggest episode of the Hunger Games you've ever fucking seen and did whatever the fuck we wanted for 20 years. That's not a loss, in my opinion. Okay, you can blame the politicians, you can blame the generals. And I'm looking forward to reading some books in the next, like, 10 to 20 years over, like, all the things that, you know, probably could have been done a little bit better. But as far as, like, if, if you were boots on the ground in Afghanistan, I don't care what your MOS is or what branch you serve with, you didn't lose that war. Okay, you guys did not lose that war. I didn't lose that war. Okay, you can blame policy and you can blame, uh, you know, geopolitics for that shit. So don't feel bad. Pick your heads up, harden the fuck up. You know, Jesus hates a pussy, dude, so don't be one. All right, we didn't lose that war. We beat the fucking piss out of them every goddamn time they met us on the battlefield. So don't feel bad, kids. All right? K- keep your heads up, all right? Crack a beer. Right as, now, today, today I'm a, Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: As a civilian, I, I never had the balls to join the military like you or my brother or both my brother-in-laws, but you know, as a history teacher, when you look at the history of that region, uh, dating all the way back to, I mean, even the turn of the, you know, BCE to CE or BC to AD, you know it's just a, it's just a region that's that's really difficult to control. Um, I mean, the Mongols gave up, the Indians gave up, you know, even when, I, I mean, I think historically, if you take a look at a, a country like Russia or the Soviet Union, when they can't subjugate a people, um, and they're ruthless. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't quite know. And again, I, I understand the reasoning behind going in to Afghanistan, and I don't disagree with those reasons. But you know, the end result uh, is is almost hard to think that there was going to be any other end result. You know, and, and the the other the other issue is you're dealing with. <clears throat> fundamental, you know, fundamental Islam versus secularized, modernized Islam that you might find in other parts of the world, you know, in Europe and the United States. Absolutely. And, you know, fundamental Islam wraps every aspect of life up in their fundamentalist ideas. And so, you know, politics, family life, family structure, religion, they're all the same, you know, where, I mean, you could have two conservatives in the United States, one's Jewish, one's Christian, and then you got a third one that's an atheist. They all have the same political beliefs, but they all have different religious beliefs. And when that doesn't, when that's not allowed to occur, um, you know, I mean, it it creates these situations of, of genocide or fratricide that we commonly see in not just Afghanistan, but in other areas uh, especially in the middle east some parts of southeast asia and even yeah. into africa where you know you you have again non secularized fundamental islam so this is i'm not I'm not trying to talk shit about islam at all right? I'm, no, I'm,
0: no 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 but 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 let's but let's be real for the last 20 years that's been kind of like the hot button you know issue that militaries not not just the united states military but militaries around the world have had to face off yeah. against basically
2: and it's it's a losing i mean you you would, in essence, and of course, I, I'm not, I'm not proposing this, but in essence, you would have to completely destroy that particular sect or denomination of Islam in order to stop the right. Taliban from doing what they're doing. It's just, you know, they're, you know, just their their ideology is they're not going to stop. And you know, I really, I really feel bad of you know, you, Jason, um, my brother-in-law, uh, my brother. Um, you know, guys other friends of mine who have done some of them have done six or seven deployments in the Middle East and I just I, I agree with you, it's it's definitely not their fault that this is happening, but I also there's a part of me that feels my heart goes out to them because I and again I don't know what this feels like, but you know, how do you look at what's going on and you spent time and money and blood and tears and lost friends over there and you know, I, I can only imagine that some people are looking at this and going, "Why? Why right. were why it even there in the first place?" And I, I can't even—I mean, again, I—I I, I can't even imagine what that feels like. You know, I mean, I—I I, I can't even imagine what it feels like, especially when people are losing loved ones. And um, hmm. yeah, I don't know.
0: Well, I, well, I'll—I'll I'll tell you what, Chris. And and again, you know, and this is exactly why I prefaced my earlier statement by saying that people are people's feelings are valid, but this, you're probably going to get, you're probably going to run a, a very wide swath of different opinions and different ideas, especially coming from uh, the veteran community, people that have been there, people that served there, people that lost people there, all that stuff. Um, I, I guess I'm choosing to, I guess, pull from the, uh, the glasses half full, you know, I guess pile of cards because I was, I didn't join the army until I was 29. So I, I wasn't fresh out of high school. I didn't, necessarily drink the kool-aid when i joined the army i kind of knew what was going on in the middle east you know i had for you know you and me were 20 years old when 9-11 happened we were already functionally we were already adults when 9-11 happened that was 20 years ago so i didn't really hold any illusions that like we were there to like win a war we were there to do whatever the mission was in that moment that we were there and then when that mission was over and we were there for a year or there for nine months we come home you know, like, like, like I said, this is this was up to the politicians. This was up to the generals. You know, I don't want to necessarily disparage or like name drop. You know, but I mean, all you got to do is like, you know, read read the read the rosters from the last twenty years of like the, our presidents and Congress, uh, the 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 gentlemen and uh, and women who were um, leaders of our armed forces in the last twenty years. I mean, they they set the policy, they dictate it. So whatever the mission was for that set of years, and then the and then. Afghanistan just kept going on so like this is our mission for the for three or four years okay this is our mission for the next eight years mm-hmm. this is our mission for the next four years and now all of a sudden it's 2021 and we're just now barely pulling out and it's been uh what n- less less than a month it's going to be the 20-year anniversary of 9-11 right you know so it I don't I don't personally harbor any I guess ill ill feelings towards it I feel like a lot of the loss the, losing people sucks losing people losing people that's like probably the hardest part of being in the military is losing people um, but i don't i don't like seeing it when people say like it was all in vain or this or that like it, it, it really reminds me a lot of what you read about with vietnam sure but there was a huge difference though in there was a huge culture shift like after 9/11 you know i go on in public in my uniform people fucking thank me for my service and i'm like i'm i'm just doing a job like this is just my job and I, I appreciate it. I appreciate I appreciate that, that they care. The, you know, the Vietnam veterans didn't have that. You know, the, the Vietnam veterans didn't have some of the really cool toys that we get to play with. You know, they were going into jungle. I was showing John, uh, me and John in Missouri. I showed John, like, this little area uh, behind um, a cemetery that my family has. And the woods are so thick, you can't see 10 feet inside these woods. And that's like, imagine fighting a war like that, that was Vietnam right you you know somebody could literally be 10 feet away from you pointing a gun at you and you wouldn't know it until it was too late you know a lot of afghanistan iraq really weren't like that in the rural areas in the urban areas a little different but in the rural areas you can see for miles you know we're we're more worried about we're more worried about roadside bombs than we are getting attacked because you can see people coming from miles away and you know to to feel like things are in vain or whatever like no we did we did our job and it was it was a job and we don't have a conscription force anymore we don't draft anymore so for for any veteran during GWAT, during the Global War on Terror, be proud and hold your head high because you volunteered and you you did your part, and you took the you took the place of somebody who not only probably didn't want to be there but probably didn't belong there, you know. And there were a lot of uh, young men and women uh, in the Vietnam conflict that did not have that choice. They were they were drafted, and they were told like you're going you're going to Southeast Asia, you know. So I I, I try to. Take a little bit more of an optimistic approach to it, but I definitely understand where there might be a lot of people that are having a lot of ill, Ill feelings right now, watching uh, the fall of uh, Kabul right now, the capital. So, so yeah. Very. So in- yeah. Very
1: it- very interesting stuff. Um, now, let's get to the to the meat and potatoes here. Uh, so, Chris, you are you have created the Dreamwalker Chronicles. Yeah. Which from what I'm seeing, you're up to
2: book five. Yeah. So, um, I'm done with book six and was actually, we were supposed to release last month. There was a hiccup on the Amazon side. So when it comes to eBooks, um, I'm, I'm solely on Amazon. Um, Amazon is, uh, kind of like the Monsanto of everything. That's not food. Um, so if you're a, if you're an author, and you're not with one of the big five. So that would be like Penguin or um, you know, Del Rey or one of those uh, large uh, publishers. Amazon is kind of the way to go for right now. Uh, anyways, uh, there was a little bit of a hiccup with my pre-release. And then we had some editing issues that we had to take care of. So um, should be by the end of this month we'll have book six out. And then I just released um, just an ebook box set of my first three books um called shadows fire that was that was the the name of that is the name of my first i've kind of organized it a little a little oddly i guess it's the dreamwalker chronicles but then each three books has a is a series also unto itself so i have the shadows fire series the demons fire series i'm working on the next three books which will be the dragon's fire series um and so so yeah so
0: now, Chris, you became you became a fantasy author, and I remember from I guess what you would call our teen years or our semi-childhood um, that you were into you were into fantasy books. You and me, you and me were both readers, but our I guess our reading habits, our our um, I guess reading for fun habits, were a little bit different. So tell me tell me what some of the fantasy books that I guess inspired you, and then as you became a writer in your adult in your adult years, uh, what were the what were the fantasy series that really i guess stoked a fire inside you that when you started writing fantasy like that was your inspiration i guess like what what, what did
2: you where did you delve your, your inspiration from so so i think for our generation a lot of fantasy if you're going to be a fantasy author a lot of influence obviously comes from the lord of the rings um you know i read the hobbit but we didn't have
0: that we didn't have that when we were teenagers though did we well I mean, there was well, like one there was like one book
2: out, right? there was like one book out at the time maybe oh no they were i mean that lord of the rings was written in
0: 1958 i think i'm so, i was talking about game of thrones
2: i'm sorry oh yeah, yeah so so i think uh early on lord of the rings JRR token was a huge influence and um i also grew up reading uh, Ursula ursula kayla Guin and her wizard of mercy series which is kind of a cool more young adult um fantasy series and my dad and my uncle We're really into fantasy and um i played dungeons and dragons when i was a kid and and shit like that so um so yeah that was that was kind of my influence and you know i think with any craft you got to realize that you know you uh you want to make it your own but at the same time you have all these different influences and so as i got older and you know i was a musician for a little while i thought i wanted to be a professional musician that didn't work out so i decided i wanted to write um, so then I started pulling from some other influences like George R. R. Martin and Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire. Um, there's another author; he's he's also an indie author, so he's an independently published author, but he's just doing so well right now. His name is David Estes, and he wrote the Fate Mark series, which is really really good. Um, you know, so I started reading. I started kind of branching out away from Lord of the Rings because I f- I feel like in the world of fantasy you get this you get people who are Lord of the Rings buffs and you kind of get pigeonholed and you only ever, ever write to that. And I think one of the cool things about fantasy is you can write about, you know, some of the stuff we've just been talking about. You can write about geopolitical issues. You can write about religion. You can write about racial issues. You can write about social issues, but because in most cases it's a made believe world, With make-believe characters and and races that don't don't actually exist you can do it in a very kind of clandestine way you know you can you know and and i you know one of one of the labels that i've given myself is christian fantasy okay Uh, you know and and i mean the christian fantasy in the sense that i mean i i am a christian author but but at the same time i have a clear cut delineation between good and evil um there are you know there's a uh you know my main character believes in a monotheistic you know christ-like god um but it's still all made believe you know so um you know you, you get to kind of explore things like that in fantasy without you know without uh without rubbing as many people the wrong way you know because that's i mean quite honestly as a as an artist you got to think you know okay if i write a song that you know like you know i think jason you and i both really like rage against the machine but absolutely i I can't listen to too much rage because i feel like i'm at a political rally you know and I, i just get irritated um which is all good i mean that's their right and that's you know their music is still good but you know i think as an artist you have to take those things into consideration and so absolutely I mean, well
0: and cs cs lewis did it with uh, the chronicles of narnia i mean he was a he was a christian fantasy author basically and he oh, took sure. he took the allegory i guess the allegory of the you know the, the 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 tale of christ basically and turned it into this long fantasy series yeah yeah i mean that's you know and and, and he did that how many god how many decades ago was that Yeah, you know what i mean oh, sure, Has it been, yeah. Hasn't been a hundred years yet, but we're, we're encroaching. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, absolutely. So, I mean, it's like, what, what is it? They say nothing, nothing new under the sun, right? You have to find your, you have to find your, your, uh, your, your, your way or your, your path I guess, in that, in that, in that genre.
2: Right? I tell students all the time that want to, want to write, you know, and they find out that I'm a writer and they ask me about, you know, st- I, and I always tell them like, look, you, you're never going to tell a brand new tale, right? right. There's, there's really, there's, I mean, all, all stories are going to be about an external journey and an internal journey. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just, how can you make your story, uh, unique for you? Um, you know, it's like, I, you know, there's, there's really no new story. It's just people pack it, repackaging it in right. a way that's unique to them and, you know, hopefully to enough people to make it worth their while.
0: Well, there's a little minor, minor factoid that a lot of people aren't aware of. Uh, William Shakespeare, good old Bill Shakespeare, uh, for all the plays that he wrote, for all the plays that he wrote and that he's world, world renowned and famous for, you know, for all, for all time, only one of his stories is considered an original story. There's only one, only one play. It's called, it's called the Tempest and the Tempest is the only considered, it's considered to be the only original Bill Shakespeare story. So yeah. out of all, out of all of his other plays, Romeo and Juliet, you know, Hamlet, Othello, all those other stories, the tempest. the tempest is the only one that's
1: really considered. Yeah. That's actually my favorite. That's my favorite Shakespeare one too, The Tempest. What The
0: Tempest? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Good for good for you for knowing Shakespeare. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I didn't Chris even I
1: didn't even know that that was considered his only original that's, one.
0: That's like his only Yeah, that that's like, that's like Shakespeare's Tarantino. Like that's his only original like Chris, uh we have a question here from Deshaun Myers. Yes, we uh who do.
2: Who is your favorite character in your series and why? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, so my, my main character, Eric is, um, I mean, I guess probably my favorite character because he's my main protagonist. Um, and I wrote him from one of the things that I tried to do when I was writing about Eric was he's a younger brother. I happen to be the older brother. So there were times when I tried to think about what was it like growing up with a, with an older brother who life <laughs> and so you know I tried to try to encounter that from that perspective. I like I I really I really like the uh, I really like what I've done with Eric's journey through the, these last six books and his his maturity. But then there's a there's another character that I really really like writing. And he's a supporting character. His name is Andragos. He's a a wizard, a necromancer. and necromancer. Nice. Purpose, nice. I, I, you know, no no spoilers, but but he he also has a a character development story that I really enjoy. You know, the the other thing when I got to writing, I think one of the things that happens in fiction tales is you you have clear cut good and clear cut evil, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's good for readers and, and I think, you know, from a from a morality standpoint, I think that there are definitely people in this world in our own world that are clearly good and clearly evil, but the vast majority of my characters are somewhere in between. You know, they have character flaws that to some people would make them the enemy, and then and then positive things that make them friends to other people. And so I think with Andregos that's what I really try to play with with him is um, yeah, he's a terrible person, called the harbinger of death to some people, but then to other people, he's he's a savior. And so I, I like writing that. I like writing through that. Mm-hmm. At that, uh, that internal con, very, very interesting. State. I love
0: it. I love it. it, it and I think that it, it, it also that it also speaks a lot to how um, how many shades of gray are really kind of omnipresent in life. You know where it's like we, we we can talk about good and we can talk about evil, but when you get down to brass tacks, you know, like average Joe, average Jane, there's going to be this spectrum of gray where it's like you you might you might be kind of a piece of crap in your regular day to day life, but people don't see behind the scenes when you go home to like the wife and kids, or they don't see behind the scenes when you're actually pulling strings pulling pulling strings from the top to make a lot of better stuff happen for people, you know.
1: I guess subservient or subordinate to
0: you. That, that reminds,
2: Go
1: ahead. John. That that reminds me a lot of like how a lot of people view Che Guevara as well. How some people see see him as this this monster, but other people see him as this 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 revolutionary hero. Well, and
0: history gets a lot of a lot of history gets whitewashed as as you know, and 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 this is not just from one side or the other. Like you know, pretty much any political political, I guess, ideology will whitewash. The stuff they don't really want people to well, th- think about as as often, right? You know, like go that ahead. We,
2: we would talk about in my in my history classes when I still. So, I want to
0: hear I want to hear your thoughts.
2: I, you know, I, my, with my <laughs> students, we used to talk about like clearly from an American perspective. If we take a look at a a war like World War II, which in my opinion has definite, clear cut good guys and clear cut bad guys, in, in the sense that. You know, Nazi Germany was engaging in things that 99.9% of the world would consider evil. But Mm -hmm. even in a war like that, if you take a look at the common German person, the common German person, their hero was, you know, was the Third Reich. You know, their hero was Hitler. And we were the enemy. You know, we were the bad guys. And so one of the things that we really got away from in my history class and, you know, trying trying to be as non, non-biased as possible was, you know, we got to get away from, in, in many cases, saying, oh, they were our enemy and therefore they're bad. Um, in many cases, especially just, you know, and you guys as veterans know more than I do in this, you know, the, the boots on the ground are just people. And That's may, yeah. they may be directed by people who are truly bad and evil but the the people on the ground are just people and i think as an author i get a really a real opportunity to explore that reality and in a make-believe world and so i it, i can i can touch on that a little bit more than someone who's writing historical fiction or writing a action book that that takes place in our world um and it's it's hard it's a hard concept to to wrap your mind around you know like i you know yeah i just there you know that there's a lot of like you said there's a lot of shades of gray uh in between you know the few people here and there that you could honestly say are truly good or truly evil you know right right
1: we actually we have another yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead uh deshaun myers asks also when you write do you have some do you have like some sort of ritual you use to get in the mood to get in the zone, or do you write whenever you feel a good form
2: of progression? Yeah, that's a great question, and um, I think my the short answer is it depends. But um, you know, as I've progressed and matured in my writing, I definitely have more of a process that I go through in terms of um, you know how I prep a story, how I outline, and the world in the in the in the writing community you have what are called plotters and pantsers and a plotter is someone who will sit down and basically outline their whole book before they start a pantser is someone who just writes by the seat of their pants and uh, i definitely used to be a pantser and now i'm more of a plotter just because it's i see the value in that but you know i, I still have a full-time job um before before covid hit i was actually making um out as much money as i was making as a teacher in my writing and so i thought maybe there was this moment where i could go full-time but covid kind of uh kind of fucked that up but um we uh, uh you know most of us who are writers also have full-time jobs and so you really have to find any opportunity you can uh you know and if i ever find those opportunities and i'm just not feeling it you know, there's a couple things i'll do um you know, certain types of music will will kinda get the creative juices full and so I'll throw on, you know, some music or um, you know, even watch like a video clip of uh something that that might be you know, maybe I'm I'm getting ready to write a a battle scene, so I'll write I'll watch a short clip from some battle scene from one of the Lord of the Rings movies or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think I think for most people it's you know, you just got to find the time when you can. Um, I know for my full-time author friends, they treat it like a full-time job. You know, they get up at a certain time, and they write until a certain time. And uh, I think for someone who does want to go full-time, uh, which is a, a goal of mine eventually, um, you have to treat it like that. Otherwise, um, you know, otherwise it's it's going to just continue to feel like a hobby. And, uh, you, you know, I mean, it's it, Stephen money, Stephen,
0: yeah. Stephen King Stephen King is is a heavy advocate for writing every day you have if you're gonna be a writer you write every day and yeah. he's a he's a huge advocate for that like one of the uh, one of the best um, books I've ever read on how on how to write or how to become a writer is by Stephen King it's called on writing and that is probably one of the single best books I've ever read on like just the the process of writing. And he's he's a huge advocate of you have to write every day, even if it's just a hundred words that you, you know, word vomit into your laptop or onto paper. At least you
2: wrote something that day, basically. You know, I I think even going back, like like, let's say you just wrote a chapter, uh, uh, you know, go back, go back and edit your chapter. You know, like maybe maybe at the moment the creative juices are kind of stopped up and you don't you don't have anything new to write. So take that opportunity to go back and review some of the stuff you've already written. I personally chunk everything up into percentages. So I go 10%, 25%, 50, 75, 90, and then a hundred. And so every time, once I get to that 10% landmark, I'll go back and read through my 10%. And that'll take, that'll take a day's worth of writing, you know, and that's okay. Um, and then when I get to 25, I'll go from 10 to 25 and read through it. Um, you know, it's kind of the process that I've, I've gotten to.
0: So. Do you, do you utilize an editor or do you edit your own stuff?
2: No, I, I self edit, um, before I send it to an editor, but, um, you know. Are, it, you, it, are you surprised with the
0: stuff that comes back after you, so like you already edited your own stuff and then are you, are you ever surprised? Like when you, when they send it back and they're like, you know, you missed this or you missed that, or there was a, a, a typo here, you know, like whatever, like.
2: So um I think at first I, the the editor I used a guy named Graham Schofield uh, very cool guy British guy lives in the Philippines. Uh, he uh, I think when I first started working with him and I had already published a chance beginning and then he went back and we made a lot of changes to it because he edited it for me. Um, at first, I was pretty surprised, but at this point I'm not surprised anymore. He's I, you know I have I have five almost six books in Dreamwalker chronicles and then i have a standalone um historical fantasy fiction he's done all of those and um you know i know and and i'm glad i have them you know it's it's hard when you've got a um you know yourself or just a a friend who's willing to edit for you uh they just don't have the editing eye that that you need and you know so i i obviously pay graham to edit for me but it's well worth it you know i mean and and independently published authors, you know, you're you're already running under the stigma that your stuff is garbage, it's not as good, that's why a publisher hasn't picked you up, you know, all that all that kind of junk. And so I think that you know, independent authors especially need to make sure that their stuff is crisp and it's good and it's it's professional. And so that's why I think hiring an editor is important. And you can find you know, I, I pay Graham well because he's very good. Um but uh, you know you can find editors out there on Fiverr or something like that 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 are good, um, and they they're not going to be super expensive, uh, especially if you're just starting out and you got a small budget. Um, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I mean at the moment I make just enough to cover my marketing and my, some of my some of my content editing stuff. But you know, I mean when you're just starting off and money's tight, you know you got to find what you can and. Yeah, fiverr is a great place to find cover artists and editor well,
0: fiverr is that can you can you spell
2: that out for like for the people that uh never heard of it is Yeah, it just out? it's f-i-v-e-r-r.com okay uh, there's all kinds of you know i even i even have a fiverr profile for people who need formatting you know i have some professional software that i've purchased in the past that will format your book for both paperback and ebook and so it looks professional it looks nice. like professionally you know printed um and so i've helped a couple authors with formatting and you know they send me their manuscripts and i go through and and put it together and make sure that it looks professional and but fiverr's the guy that did my audiobooks amrit Amrit sandu um is the narrator for my my audiobooks he he picks up a bunch of work uh voiceover work in in great britain through fiverr so it's it's a really good for anyone who's an artist or has some sort of Skill that leans in that direction, even if it's like music production. I've seen people who do music production poster stuff on Fiverr. Um, the guy who's done the cover artwork for my last three books, and then he's redoing the cover artwork for my first three books. I found him on Fiverr. Um, he, he does original artwork; it's amazing. So, um, yeah, Fiverr's pretty good.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, we that's have, awesome. We have, go ahead, John. We have another question uh, from Deshaun Myers. He's killing. He's killing them with kindness today. What was what was the hardest part of getting your book to become more than just an idea
2: in your head? Oh man, well I think um, so. There's I think there's two separate answers to that. Number one is believing that you can actually write a book. You know, I think when it comes to art, uh, whether it's physical art, music, the written word, producing a movie, you know, there's this. Um. There's this, still this prevailing old school mentality, even though more and more we see independently published authors, independently produced musicians, independent films win awards. There's this prevailing mentality that I'm I'm just a normal person, and my ideas aren't worth anything. So I think the first part is getting over that, over the idea that you know I I. Can't write a book, and I believe that anyone who really wants to can. Um, the other thing that you have to remember is, you know, your story is not going to be everyone's story. There are people, uh, there are friends of mine who don't like my books, and that's okay. It's just not their cup of tea, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, I've even asked people to give me critical reviews on Amazon, you know, a two or a three star review because. Maybe the writing it was well written, but they just don't like the story. Now you know you get those not the segue, but you don't you, you get those one star reviews. Like I got a one star review one time, and it was I would sooner crumple up a twenty dollar bill and throw it in the trash can than spend another ninety nine cents on this book, oh, fuck <laughs> that, yeah. which, which fuck makes it well, makes it laugh no. because, because it just it shows me that that guy's just a troll out there to right. You right. Know, other, you know, most critical reviews on Amazon have some sort of positive criticism to them. So that's number one, just believing that you can put pen to paper or sit at your computer and actually write. But then the other, the other part of that is figuring out what your writing process is. I would suggest to any, any new author that you need to figure out how what kind of outlining process works best for you and i really i I really like a guy named michael haig h-a-u-g-e um he's a guy who has done predominantly screenwriting outlining the classic three-act outline nice but but he's retooled it for authors for fiction authors and um that is the formatting system or the outlining system that i use and it's the Michael Haig six um, three act six plot system. Yeah, it breaks everything up into percentages, and um, so yeah, it's just sitting down and 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 putting your ideas down on paper, and then looking at how you're going to organize them, and then lastly, um, I think the the last part of that is you have to you have to have thick skin, and you have to crave criticism, you know when um, when i finally hired graham to do my editing he the first thing he told me was i love your story i haven't typically edited fantasy but i want to work with you uh the first thing you need to do is cut out the first three chapters of your book and as i'm reading that how do you, my, even,
0: how do you even how do you even like how dude, do you even like quantify so, that
2: well so what's funny about that is is i have i have learned early on that you know Criticism is good, even though sometimes it's hard to stomach. My wife, as I'm reading it, is standing over my shoulder, and she looks at me, and she goes, Fuck that guy. You know, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I-, I ended Bless up you. cutting out the first three chapters, and it made my story better. So you have to craze criticism. I mean, um, if someone comes back and says, Hey, I really like your story, you know, you-, you-, you do a beta read, which means you find some people that are willing to read your book and just give you feedback before you're ready to publish um, you know, if they say, "Hey, I really like your book, but this character is kind of flat," and then you start arguing with them about that, well, then you really don't want criticism. You don't. You're not really look. You're just looking for praise, and uh, that's that's never going to work. That's never going to create a good a good piece of artwork.
0: Yeah. I do I do need to interject here too because you you cut you, you kind of mentioned that you have friends that aren't aren't necessarily a fan. I want to go specifically on record right now and state that like. I never got, I was never able to get through your first book, but that was not your fault. Like there's a lot of things that happened after I joined the army where I lost a lot of my hobbies. I lost a lot of my passions, you know, in keeping with basically just keeping up with the army basically. And I have this, I have a John, you'll probably get a kick out of this. I have this, a dog eared, I mean, dog eared copy of Chance's Fire, which is the very first book that Chris wrote. And it's a, it's a first edition so when, when Chris gets world famous someday for his writing, you know, there's a dog-eared copy that I'm going to sell for like a hundred thousand dollars. I'll be like, this book, this book has been to the field. This book has been to Afghanistan. Like it's, it, it looks like it's been read 500 times, yeah. but I, but I was never able to make it all the way through because as soon as I would start, something would pop up. I go off to the races two days or two weeks or two months later I still haven't, like, gotten to the next part, so I have to reread what I just read. I have never – I still, to this day, I've never – and I'm looking forward to this. One of the things I'm looking forward to very much, especially now having my D 214 officially, I actually just started last night. I actually – I was FaceTiming with my girlfriend, and she was watching some TV, and I was like, is it okay if I just read? And so we sat on FaceTime, and she watched TV, and I read a book. You know, I, I, I finally started reading again. I haven't read – or I used to write a lot, too. Like, I haven't read or written anything in, like, almost 12 years because because Army. Right. You know, like, I, I got so hyper-focused on my job, basically. Like, I lost some of these passions in my life. And, like, it's not that Chris – I didn't like Chris's writing because Chris is one of my best friends. I would I would have loved to have given you, like, an honest critique – of a chance is fired. How many years ago was that? Like it's over, it's been over a decade. It's been like 13 or
2: 14 years, probably 20. Well, 2012, 2013. And then yeah. it's gone through. Yeah. It's gone through four revisions. And well, I want to
0: say you gave me that book. I don't know if you gave me that book when I was in Tucson for Pablo's wedding. Maybe was that December of 12. Would it yeah. have been out then?
2: I think That's that's probably right.
0: Yeah. So I, got, and I don't, at that point I'd only been in the army for, a little over, or no? He got married in 2011. It was before I went to Afghanistan. Yeah. So like, yeah. So since 2011, I've had this. I've had this one copy of this one book, of Chris's, and I have not been able to really touch it, other than making sure it was in my. It was in my my stuff, basically. Yeah. When I go when I go train or I go to Afghanistan, but it wasn't because I didn't like your writing. It was because army. And I'm, sure. I'm totally I'm totally gonna blame the army on that. So. <laughs>
1: So I have I have a question actually and we actually have another question from the Sean which is actually a question I was going to ask but you had mentioned the, the Hague system I'm actually slightly like familiar with it so do you write do you write your books in a script format before you you finalize it
2: so uh, that's a really good question my, my writing my writing my plotting system What I'll do is I'll sit down, and normally I'll take about a day, you know. um, And, you know, when I say a day, I'm I'm probably a couple hours, you know, depending on what's going on. Um, And I'll write just a a brief two to three paragraph overview of what my my book is going to be about. And then the Hague system, what it does is it breaks everything up. It's got a 3 X system, but then it breaks everything up into percentages. So the first 10% of your book or scream whatever you're doing is like the setup, and so I'll write down just a quick two, three, four sentences. This is what happens at ten percent. You know, um, protagonist is presented with an opportunity. Uh, my very first book, A Chance Beginning, Eric Eliotum. My main protagonist is presented with an opportunity to either go on a journey or go back home, and so that's that's the first checkpoint. And then twenty five percent is another opportunity. Fifty percent is a, it's called no, you know the no turning back. Seventy five percent is a is a major setback. And so what I'll do is I'll just I'll literally write down, and I, I use a writing program called Scrivener, um, and Scrivener is it just helps organize chapters and sections a little bit better than Microsoft's Word, mm. um, and then you can then you can directly export it to Word. Um, and so, you know, uh, I'll highlight sections. This is 25%. Just write down what's going to happen. And so now I know I have a, I have a focus point. I have an aiming point at where I need to get. Um, yeah, and then I just, you know, um, and then what I'll do is I'll go in and I'll go, okay, um, most of my books are somewhere around 70, 80, 70 to 80 chapters. So 10% would be eight chapters. I'll outline each chapter. Up to eight chapters and then I'll write them and then I'll go okay 10 to 25 percent you know how many chapters is that roughly up to 20 chapter 20 so chapters 9 through 20 I'll outline them and then I'll write them and uh, that's that's kind of how I, I process and, and outline and um, so not necessarily in screen so, so, is it, so is it like that is it like that meme from like it's
0: always sunny with like the dude with the cigarette and he's like pointing at the wall like all crazy you know, like when you're trying to like when you when you're trying to like connect plot lines and like you know yeah. how do how do you how do you keep all those like George R. R. Martin you know it's very famous in the Game of Thrones series it's very famous like this dude like painted himself into a corner he had like hundreds hundreds of named characters yeah trying to keep all trying to keep all that stuff together and the different plot lines and this very 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 minor sub character actually has a big moment. You know, yeah. in this part of the story, how, how, dude, how the fuck do you keep that shit
2: together in your head? Like, well, how do you keep that shit the, So, so it's gotten to a point. And that's one of the reasons why I use Scrivener. Scrivener actually has this amazing um, format where you can, you know, and, and again, it takes time, and a lot of writers don't want to take time to do this. But this is why you you'll pick up a book and that's that's been published, but you see a clear contradiction in the book. Um, Scrivener allows you to write character profiles, add pictures, you know, my, my main character in my head, I'm envisioning, um, a guy that looks like, I don't know, Liam Hemsworth. Okay. So I'll put a picture of Liam Hemsworth next to him that constantly reminds me, okay, this is what he looks like physically. And, you know, she looks like uh, shit. I don't know. Liv Tyler. Cause she's an elf and nice or, you know, whatever. And, and, nice. uh, yeah, it is. It's difficult, and you're right. I mean, a guy like George R. R. Martin. I think one of the things that has happened with him is he's got this monster, this beast that now he's got to he's got to try to oh, close he's, up. He's done, Did He's not, did He's not finishing those books. Like he's not, <laughs>
0: he
2: not finishing those books you know, because dude. he's the peak of physical health. So. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's gonna drop anytime soon. Like. I
0: read, I read every single one of those books on my first deployment. This is from June of 2011 to June of 2012. Okay, he has not released another one since. I just want to throw that out there. The dude, yeah, the dude, dude is not,
2: the dude is not finishing the series. Dance of Dragons, yeah. So
0: yeah, the the, the, the dude is not finishing the series. It's it's over. It, it's fucking over. It it's as over as Afghanistan right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know,
2: it's like the Wheel of Time series. I mean, Robert Jordan had what uh, eleven books in the Wheel of Time series. Right. He kept saying he was going to be finished, and then he died and uh, thank God for Brandon Sanderson who came in, and Brandon Sanderson, you know, Brandon Sanderson's another guy who um, he's a guy that I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to back in the day, but Brandon Sanderson is um, a guy who interjects, he's Mormon, so he interjects a lot of his his faith background into his books without putting it in people's faces. Um, He uses a fantasy world to do that. Um, Just a phenomenal, you know, for someone who who is really wants to get into, you know, like Deshaun is asking some great questions. I mean, and, and Brandon Sanderson, um, not only would I read his books, but, you know, he's got a blog and he's got a lecture series on YouTube, uh, some lectures he did at BYU about his writing process, which is amazing. And, and again, not necessarily, you know, w- do I suggest follow every single thing he says, but just great information.
0: Sure. Well and, and, and Joe Joe Poe just commented that he was he's just happy that Stephen King finished the Dark Tower series and the ending was kind of garbage though. And I know you, Chris, you know this from growing up with me that I was a huge Stephen King and a Dark Tower fan when we were basically when we were kids. And yeah. I remember waiting several years for the next book to come out, and then when we were seniors, uh, Stephen King got hit by a van in Maine walking on the side of his road. Oh, wow. Um, and, and, and almost died. And that actually that actually spurned him to finish his series and finish his, basically, what, what amounted to his magnum opus, basically. That was his, his swan song was The Dark Tower. And I have the, you know, they, they've since made comic books. They've made a dog shit movie that I refuse to fucking watch. Like, I fucking, I'm not even going to fucking talk about the movie because it was fucking garbage. Um, but he had this, like, gigantic, ginormous you know, world that he had created, Mm -hmm. but he was kind of stuck in that, like that writer's block. And, uh, you know, we can talk about George R. R. Martin, Stephen King, before he create, you know, before he finished the dark tower series. And oftentimes you see writers get stuck kind of like, they kind of paint themselves in the corners really. And it's like, they don't know what to do. And that's what, and that's really where that question stemmed from, because I know, especially in fantasy, like I can think of a hundred different short stories to write, but it's a short story. Right. So if I write somewhere between two and twenty pages, story's done. Story's done. Well, I know from and there's there's not a lot to keep together. You write a fantasy, uh, a very epic fantasy series. You're going to get new characters. You're going to get old characters. You're going to get characters that came in somewhere around like the third or fourth book, but then maybe they take greater, but then maybe they take greater prominence. And that's why I've always wondered like, how how the fuck do you guys keep all that shit together in your head? Because I don't know about you, Chris, but well, you've known me long enough my head's full of like broken glass right now dude so i'm like i gotta write everything down
2: you know what i mean so i don't know like
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I'm,
2: not, I'm not the best at, at, at taking notes and that's probably one thing within my writing that i could do a lot better is that you know is was write jot down notes i got this idea um i'm i'm terrible at that and, and there's been so many times where i'll sit down at the computer and i'll start to write and i'm like you know fuck i i had this great idea and I can't even remember it now, so that's one area where I could do better, but you know, the writer burnout is pretty pretty real too, I've got a really good friend um, he lives here in Tucson, Eric T. Knight is his name, Um, and he has written uh, several fantasy series that are all based in the same world, but slightly different timelines and character lines, and um, he wrote uh, I think he's got a total of 25 books now, but He wrote like 12 of those books within a year, you know, and for for independently published authors, one of the um, again, not to get on a tangent, but but one of the one of the philosophies with an independently published author is what's called a rapid release. So can you write three or four books and then release them all within a month of each other? So over the next four months, you'll release four books. And Jesus. the reason that is is because, as an independently published author, you're not getting any sort of advance from a publishing company. You know they'll advance you anywhere between ten to you know big time authors hundred two hundred thousand dollars, and so you can take time and publish one book a year. And so for an indie author, it's all about volume. In fact, there's an organization out there called um, uh, uh, 2250 K. Twenty-two fifty k books means write twenty books, and on average, you'll make fifty thousand dollars a year. And and so, you know, George R. R. Martin has only written five books; he's a multi-millionaire. You know, J.R.R. Well, Tolkien has a well. Cult.
0: He's I mean, he, he's written more. He's written more than that. But but those right. are the books that that's those are the books that made him famous. Though, basically, I mean,
2: even even counting some of his lesser books and his short stories, he's not even close to twenty. Right. You know? Right. So right. So there's you know. So my, my friend Eric, you know, he wrote 12 books in a year and, and, you know, right now it's like, I, I just can't write, you know, he's, he's lucky enough that his books do well enough that he can, you know, he doesn't work. That's what he does. But, you know, he kind of burned himself out for a little bit and he's got to take some time to rejuvenate. So there's, there's some, something real now. George R. R. Martin, he's got no excuse. Guy's a millionaire, you know, he goes all over the world and does symposiums and it's like dude just sit down and write a fucking book you know yeah
0: so what so what so okay (sighs) okay so you are a independent author right now let's say you know chances fire takes off you know like the whole the whole the whole whether whether it's the first trilogy the second trilogy some portion of it some portion of it takes off what are you, what are you as Chris Patterson, the author going to do if all of a sudden like it blows up and then, you know, you got, you got, Holly, you got fucking Hollywood calling. And yeah,
1: that's actually, that's actually a, a, a question that the Sean Myers has too, yeah, that, like, that it, relates to that.
0: People, pe- people, people, are flat. People are flashing cash in your face and saying, oh, we can do this and we can do that. Like, how so, are you going to, how are you going to stay grounded if, yeah. if that day comes? Like, what are you going to do to stay grounded?
2: I think as uh, there's a couple advantages to being an independently published author. There's some obvious advantages to having a publisher back you up. Um, for me, it costs me about two thousand dollars every book that I publish. I pay Jesus. for I pay for all of my artwork for the cover. I pay for that out of pocket. Um, I pay for the editing. Um, you but by, do, by doing this, you retain control, though. Is that correct?
0: So by that's, doing this, you, right. retain, you retain an amount of control, right?
2: I have 100% control over my book, where oh, yeah. a publisher might give you an advance. A publisher is going to pay for the cover art work, the editing. But they control your your work. And in some cases, I know authors, other authors, that haven't really – they didn't really read their contract. And they they, in essence, don't own – their intellectual property anymore. Yeah, fuck so, that. So there's there's a there's a there's a there's a, a pro and a con, right? I mean, for me, you know, I, I labeled my you know a chance beginning, dark winds, and breaking the flame. My first three books, you know, they were they were labeled uh, Christian fantasy. I actually sat down with a, a old pastor of mine and asked him about, you know, can can I label this as Christian fantasy? And we came to the conclusion I could. But, you know, there, were, there was some language in there. Not a whole lot, but I dropped the F-bomb a couple times. And, and it was interesting. You know, I had probably within the span of three or four days, I had five readers email me. All, all readers who picked up my book because they were looking for Christian fantasy. Okay. And um, they said they really liked my book. But the one thing that, that kind of, I guess, I'm trying to remember what they said, that, you know, kind of irritated them was the language. Well, for me, uh, it's not a big, I, you know, the F you, word, or, or I make I make up some word, it doesn't matter to me. So I went in, changed it, you know, I mean, we're talking four words, five words in the whole manuscript,
3: right. used a
2: different word, you know, flaming instead of fucking, or, or you know, uh, dung instead of shit, I, you know, again, it doesn't matter to me, it doesn't change the meaning, and uh, I'm able to upload that right away, and... You know, now someone who isn't reading it from some sort of religious perspective, they still get the intent, they still get the content, and someone who is, they don't feel like, uh, you know, they're reading something that they shouldn't be reading, you know? I, so, I,
0: I think that raises a great question, too. Like, are you, when you talk about creating your art, and, you know, if you're, if you're going to kind of put yourself within kind of like that specific genre, um, by calling it Christian fantasy, like, are are you going to create your art with the intent of placating the audience, or are you going to create your art first and
2: yeah. then
0: like, like 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 how do you? Because um, see, like obviously, like for me, I would I wouldn't have that problem. I'd be like, I'm I'm sorry, you didn't like me saying fuck, but people in real life say fuck, right? Sure. That's but 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 for you, that'd be a little bit different because you're kind of putting yourself within that within that scope. So when you're under the microscope like that, like what is that like as an artist to? So- so anytime, to, placate, to placate the artist, or yeah. excuse me, to placate the, uh, the the audience, excuse me. I
2: mean, any anytime uh, an artist, anytime an author puts their book in a specific browse category, okay, um, and it doesn't have to be a religiously oriented one. It could be military fantasy, sure. It could be historical fantasy. Um, the audience, generally speaking, is going to encounter that book from a certain perspective, right? The this is, this is what I'm thinking. Now, within, say, Christian fantasy, there is a wide, wide range of work within that browse category. You have books like mine that have an underlying Christian message in that there's clear-cut good and evil. Um, you have a you have characters that are experiencing some sort of Christ-like redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, my my main character is monotheistic and religious belief, and again, I don't I don't overly talk about it. But when it comes up, that is that that is what is there. And you know, to be honest, I mean, one of the reasons why I put my book in Christian fantasy um, was not 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 to jade the audience but you know epic fantasy has thousands upon thousands of titles listed as epic fantasy absolutely so i was a best-selling author in christian fantasy best-selling author in arthurian fantasy i was a best-selling author in military fantasy um i didn't even break the top 100 in epic fantasy right because right. it's so much more saturated and so i think yes you have to write to your audience, if you want an audience, and, and I don't care what anyone says, <laughs> anyone who's an artist wants to make money with their art. Okay? I reject the notion when people are like, oh, I'm just a musician, and I'm okay starving. I call complete bullshit. Okay? <laughs> if you could make money as an artist, you're going to make money as an artist. Okay? Um, respect. And I so, respect yeah, that. You have, to, you have to write to your audience um, but you also have to remember that you can't just label your work. You know, it would be like Tupac going out and labeling an album as heavy metal, right? right. People are going right. to quickly realize that you're just blowing smoke up people's ass. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons I made those changes. And and I agree with you, Jason, and that's one of the reasons why I felt okay labeling my work as Christian fantasy. You know, the people who are engaging in non You know, quote unquote non Christian activity in in my books are, you know, people who are struggling with, uh, you know, struggling with some of those redemption issues or character issues. And that's pretty much every single character in my book. Um, You know, so it's like, yeah, even people who are religious use swear words and do things that they know they shouldn't do. Um, Now, at the end of the day, using. The F word or using some other word doesn't matter to me, so I was okay making that change because I knew that it would broaden my audience. And, you know, I I do. I want to make money from my books. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it broadened my audience in that. And I, and I, I also, as a fantasy author, I get the question, oh, it must be young adult. Apparently, every fantasy author is a young adult author. According yeah, to the yeah get, get, yeah right? get
0: yeah get fucked okay. with that shit. It's like going.
1: it's like everybody has a podcast. Yeah.
2: Right, 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 <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Right, So, I, so I, I mean, I'll, I'll, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, saying, so sorry, it does
2: ahead. it does broaden my audience in that sense that you know mm-hmm. a parent might feel more comfortable with their 13 year old reading my book if it doesn't drop sure. the f bomb four or five times. Um, that Christian audience is more more likely to receive my book um, in a and you know receive it and 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 want to continue to read it um and i think the general audience the general general reading audience doesn't care one way or the other you know there's very few people that have said to me oh i don't understand why you know this character isn't like just dropping f-bombs in this place you know i've never had that but you know i've had people be like wow maybe i'm wondering if you could use some different language here and i'm like yeah you know it doesn't it doesn't bother me so
0: Well, you know, and I wanted to, especially when you made that comment about, you know, you you must be you must be uh, an author for like, you know, like the the youth, basically, because because it's fantasy in general. Right. Yeah. So there's there's a there's a series out there. It's called Warhammer 40K. Mm, Yeah. And so there's the original Warhammer series, which is a lot more fantasy based. And you have Warhammer 40K, which is very futuristic. I'm talking like massively into the future, like 40K is the year 40,000. Like we live in the year two thousand twenty-one. Like for them, it's millennium like forty-one, basically. Yeah, we we call it sci-fi war opera. Right. So I had there's one book. I like that sci-fi war opera. For all dude, for for all the they they had dude, they have table games. They've got miniature figurines that people paint. I'm talking like there's a whole goddamn smorgasbord out there in this universe. It's it's basically like it's like the Star Wars universe times 10. That's what, like no, yeah. that's no what, shit.
1: that's that, that thing that Henry Cavill keeps on talking about. Henry yeah, Cavill's a, one, he, one, he, yeah. he's a huge and, fan.
0: So, so I was in the field. I was in the, I was a private. This is back when I was still a mechanic. This is before I went over to the infantry. And one of my fellow mechanics threw a book down on my bunk. Cause I was, I was complaining cause we went to the field and I'd forgotten to pack a book. Dude fucking throws his book onto my goddamn, my, uh, my cot in the tent. He's like, when you get when you get downtime, like check it out. Well, I got I was in the field and I got like three chapters into that bitch, and I was like, oh my god! And like, no shit. To this day, it is one of my favorite books of all time. Now, here's here's the caveat. Here's the warning. That is the only Warhammer forty k book I have ever liked. I've actually tried to read several others. I actually, I actually get more from reading the uh, the Wikipedia, like the wiki. Like, there's a 40k like Wikipedia page, yeah, where it's like everything in the in the 40k universe. I enjoy reading the wiki more than I read enjoy reading the books. But this one book was so good, it just got me so into the story. You know what I mean? Like, it just it, it just the author sucked me in.
2: Well, that's so that, like, that's very you know. uh, Go that's, ahead, Chris. that's very common with those kinds of books. Um, we call them popcorn fantasy. You know, right. It's like it's like popcorn romance. Correct. Correct. And there's a, there's a very formulaic method to almost any romance book, and there's a very formulaic method to, you know, you got Warhammer Forty K, you have Ravenloft, you have Dragonlance, you have Forgotten Realms, um, and these are all these are all universes that are that are based on. Now they're they're not considered lit uh, RPG lit, but but they're based on a gaming system, right? And the problem the problem with those is that you have a lot of different authors writing within the same universe. So right. like Forgotten Realms, you have um RA Salvatore, who is an amazing author. So the stuff that he writes for Forgotten Realms it's is amazing. 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 Mark Margaret Weiss is the same way. She writes Dragonlance, but she's also got some, some stuff that's that's her own stuff. And then you know, and then you get some authors that just, you know, quite frankly, uh, they're not very good, and they're writing in this formulaic method. And you know, hat, hats off to them for being willing to write within the the confines of this universe that's been created right. for them. Um, right. But you know, it's very, it is, it's very popcorny. It's very well. It's it's basically like, it's basically particular. it's basically it's fan fiction. It's fan fiction. It, exactly, it is. It's exactly.
0: It, it, you're 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 it, you're writing fan fiction for a universe that was created outside of your own scope, and sure. if you're good, and if you're good enough at it, the publishing company will say, "We'll take that story and we'll put your name on it." And here you go. You're now part of you're you're now an author in this particular you know universe or whatever. But it's basically fan fiction. Like, have you ever thought about writing fan fiction? Like, have you ever seen like the people like yeah they you know, uh, they, they send requests for that shit? Like, yeah. write write me a story about X, Y, and Z, whatever. I'm a sucker. I've never for had that someone
2: stuff. like request. I've never had someone request something like that, but I've thought about trying to write for like Forgotten Realms and stuff like that. And I just, you know, I mean, I I, I kind of encounter it the same way every time I think about making extra money as an Uber driver. You know, it's like. Okay, am I gonna am I gonna put extra time into that, or am I gonna am I gonna put my energy into this fantasy world I've created, this historical fiction world that I've created, which I'm working on also? Um, I am working on a young adult urban fantasy series. You know, th- those are my passions. Those are the worlds that I'm building. I- I'd rather spend my time on that. I mean, um, I think there's definitely again as an author who wants to make money, there's there's some real um capital opportunity business opportunity in writing that fan fiction um but it's just um not not for me I don't you know I want to I don't want someone to dictate to me you know what, what I you know this is a world that I have to write within I, I would rather be the one that create I mean that's why I'm an author I'm an author because you know I would read I would read books and I would envision this world and I I started thinking man how cool would it be someone to read my book and try to envision my world you know and, and my job is now to create such a vivid reality through my books that you picture the world that I've created and you do it accurately you know so that's that's kind of where I'm at in terms of yeah. why right and you know
1: uh, so the Myers is asking Uh, Do you see yourself straying away from letting your books become movies or TV shows because of common misadaptations of your story? Or do you feel like if they want to do it, are you down for a nice paycheck? If if you are down for a paycheck, are you okay with how they may change, how your books may be received by the general public?
2: Hell yeah, dude. Give me that money for a TV show. Ah. (laughs) Look, I... I think, I think everyone, you know, I've gotten to a place where I really enjoy the Lord of the Rings movies. I really enjoy the Hobbit movies. Um, I enjoy the uh, Chronicles of Narnia movies. I really, really like the Game of Thrones series up until the very last season, which which kind of bummed me out a little bit. Um, you know, I think that most people encounter movies and series, the, the Witcher series, Again, t- has some liberal ad- adaptations. I've I've read a couple of there's I think four or five Witcher books, and yeah. I've read two of them that are a combination of a bunch of short stories. Um, you know, I, I think most people watch a TV show or watch a movie with the understanding that it's based on the book that 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 it, that it's covering, but not necessarily exactly like the book. And so, I mean, what an amazing opportunity for someone. And, and the reality is, you know, with game of Thrones, for instance, game of Thrones up until, I mean, really up until it got to the point where the book stopped and the, the producers of the series had to then create the story after that. It was close enough. And because you now have Amazon prime and Netflix and Fubo and these these independent streaming services creating their own series you know like the the Witcher is done by Netflix i think more and more we're going to see storylines being picked up by you know Amazon Prime and Netflix and produced which which i think gives more of an opportunity for a more true telling of your story so like let's just say someone you know, let's say Netflix did pick me up and they they decided that they were going to do one season per book which is pretty close to what hbo did with a game of thrones um, not exactly but pretty close you know i mean a chance beginning my first book done over five to eight uh episodes you'd definitely be able to get a more more true telling of the book versus trying to cram it all into a two-hour movie you know, so
0: that's been the I, that's been the argument for the Dark Tower for years, for sure. fucking years with this with Stephen King. That's been the argument is like instead of trying to make a fucking movie, it needs a miniseries because the, it's so goddamn deep, basically. Well, and, that's,
2: and that's what they're now trying. They're talking about with the Lord of the Rings. They're now talking about. I've heard that they're talking about doing a miniseries, right? That is the Lord of the Rings because I think it's you know, the movies being are filmed. great. They're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah they're just. You, know, you get a more true telling of the story. So, absolutely. Well, fucking so, badass. So,
1: before we, uh, we're hitting our time, before we close shop, I didn't forget about, I didn't forget about your meme. Um, yeah. I just wanted to ask, yeah. I just wanted to ask a couple questions real quick. Um, one, are do you still play, do you still play? You still play, uh, music?
2: Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I'm guitar and bass. Um, Every once in a while, I bring my, you know, I get some kid playing his guitar at school, and I'm like, oh, you play guitar? You know, I'm like, yeah, I play guitar too, and they don't believe me, so I bring my guitar and I got to show them up. Um, but, you know, I've been playing guitar since I'm, I was seven, so I'm 43, 40, sorry. So uh, I've been playing it for 33 years. Um, I primarily just play in church now. We got a, you know, worship praise team that I play in every couple, every, yeah. a couple times every month. We actually and,
1: had an interesting conversation about, um, uh... Sec, sec, sec music just a couple days ago yeah jay we just had a really interesting conversation about it how a lot of that music is still is still really good you know and it's quite catchy and you know the rhythms on it really really pull you in
2: sure. well I mean, I was, you know but, a lot of, i was gonna say a lot of i think a lot of those artists are again kind of like um uh you know a a christian author who's trying to reach a much broader audience yeah i don't want to just read i don't just want to reach one audience i want to reach a very broad audience and so you know i mean you have artists like switchfoot and skillet lauren daigle um you know these are artists who are being played on mainstream but but they started off as praising and, praise and worship artists and yeah. uh, you know, I th- I think that's a good thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, and um, you know, I, and look, I, and I I know we're nearing nearing our end time here. I, I I've, I've seen You're this fine. as a as a as a as an author. Um, you know, the moment you label your stuff, I mean, if we could just not label anything, <laughs> we would be fine. The moment you label your stuff, it's either not enough or it's too much. You right. know, like Christian fantasy. I've had people go, oh, you know, I. You're, you, I feel like you're preaching at me, and I mean that's the last thing I want to do. And I feel like I don't do that, but then I've also had you know, uh, you know, Christian readers are like, "Oh, this is in no way is this Christian fantasy. You're a heretic," you know. And and that's going to be you know that's going to be um, similar with any with any browse category. You know, if you label your work as epic fantasy, I you know it's it's in epic fantasy. And i I had one guy tell me this is anything but epic and I'm like, okay cool thanks fuck you um, you know it's like... <laughs> you know uh, but you know you're gonna get those criticisms no matter what it's it's just it is what it is it's part of the it's part of the process so John I don't mean I don't mean to like backtrack
0: a little bit but no, no, when, no. When, when Chris was when Chris was talking about playing the guitar man like there was a there's a song like when I, like me me and Chris you know when growing up together we you know, we did the I'd spend the night at his house, he'd spend the night at my house, you know, like we're, you know, we're kids, whatever. But he had there's a song that I used to make him play cuz he played it for me one time and like I fell in love with this fucking song. And it's called Malaguena.
3: Okay. And so
0: like if anybody if any if I ever meet anyone and they play they fucking play like acoustic guitar, I'll be like, "Hey, can you can you play Malaguena?" And fucking I I, I I use that one song cuz the song is kind of a um I don't want to say it's a, it's like a teaching song, but it's used, it's used as a teaching song for like finger picking and stuff like that. And Chris mastered that song at a very young age. And so the first time he played it for me, like it was fucking music to my ears. Right. And I That's was like, awesome. so every time, he, every time I go over to his fucking house or if he had his fucking guitar in the goddamn locker room, I'd be like, Hey bro, play fucking Malaguena. Right. Like, and like, that was like, and that was like the, the litmus test basically. Like, so like. When people, when people, when I meet people that play acoustic guitar, because everybody plays a fucking guitar, I'm like, hey, can you play Malaguena? You know, like just to be a dick, because most of them can't. Yeah. Like they, they'll just say, oh, I've never, never heard of it. Never. I'm right. like, bullshit, you never, bullshit. You never fucking I'm, heard of Malaguena. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, gonna like, take oh, the time, I'm and I'm playing. gonna learn that song. I'm gonna, I'm gonna you, take. I'm, you I need, I need to I listen. Mean, to it. I got, I'm telling you, I got this one over here. I got another one over a, there.
0: It's a beautiful song. It, like just, just by, by itself, it's just a beautiful song. But the fact that he was oh Christ Chris how old were you would we have been 13 fourteen fucking years old probably like thirteen fourteen years old was the first time I heard it and I heard Chris play it and I fell in love with that song and so now that's like my that that specific song is my litmus test and people say like oh, I've never heard of it I'm like well guess you're not much of an acoustic guitar player then are you
1: that, like, that's amazing that's funny it's
0: it's a pretty standard if, if you're if you're playing any type of Spanish or Western flavored acoustic guitar. That song is a fucking staple. Yeah. That song is like the like, I respect it's like it. The
2: stairway to heaven to acoustic guitar. You know. That's
0: exactly... That thank you, Chris. I, I, I like,
2: respect it. Exactly.
0: I've exact, I, I like I've looked into it. Like it is exact, exact. It is the stairway to heaven of acoustic guitar playing. So anytime I, I talk to somebody about playing acoustic guitar and they I've never heard of that song I'm like you're full of fucking shit dude like you've totally heard that song you can't play it because you fucking suck yeah. fuck you but you
1: it's, but it's cool it's interesting that we talk about like how religious music is still moving because I've said this before my favorite band uh, thrice who actually have like a strong following in Arizona as well because they're they're from oh, yeah. yeah they're they're from California they have a strong following there the the singer Dustin Kenju actually lived in Arizona for a long time because he joined the Mar- the Mars Mars Church I don't I I can't I don't know the Marshall. full
0: name that would be Marshall. Marshall. Mars Hill Mars
1: Hill Mars Hill so he was with Mars Hill for a while and he was actually doing a lot of very unique beautiful um religious music that I that I'm still actually a huge fan of you know especially for those days when I'm feeling down you know Dustin Kendrick really rises it up and it's ve- it's very interesting that 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 you say that because uh, authors they they do try to find a broader audience that's exactly what dustin Kendrew was trying to do through his music sure so it was very interesting um the next question i have do you still power lift and what is what is the the heaviest you've
2: lifted yeah so i uh i do still power lift. um i actually just uh just recently I, i'm i'm i have to get imaging on wednesday i think i tore the labrum in my right shoulder, which is basically the meniscus of your shoulder. Um, I did my left shoulder a couple years ago, uh, got surgery on it. It's a really quick and easy surgery now. It's all laparoscopic, um, and it feels great. So I'm not as bummed out about it as I was when I did my left shoulder. My left shoulder, I was like... um, And, you know, Jason knows I, I, I broke my arm probably 18 years ago, 17 years ago, and that was devastating because... You know, yeah, he did
0: he did that he, he did that in he did that in the in the wrestling room, by the yeah. way. Like he was he was showing showing some young wrestlers a certain yeah. move and he planted his hand the wrong way and he ended up with a spiral fracture in his
2: uh was it right bicep or right right arm, I'm sorry. Humorous,
0: yeah. So yeah, humorous my, uh, spiral fracture is fucking humorous. So when I
2: did my uh, when I did my shoulder, I was thinking, Oh man, this is and I, I recovered really fast and so um anyways, I'm if, I, if my right shoulder is kind of jacked up, it's it's about a two to three month recovery, so it's not too bad. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I still lift a lot. Um, one of the things that I now teach, um, I'm, I'm traditionally an English and history teacher, but uh, when I changed jobs, when I went into a different school district, I started teaching health, which was um, really, really cool. And I think um, definitely in the veteran space, a lot of people would appreciate that a lot of Health is, I, I used to tell kids, health used to be um, how to wash your testicles and sex ed. And right. uh, now health is, I, I would say, probably three-fifths of my health class was, was devoted to mental health. Oh, and yeah. so, that is um, amazing. So that was really cool and that was really fun and uh, helped me grow as a teacher. But now um, my job is all uh, strength and conditioning. Um, I'm one of the strength and conditioning coaches at the high school that I coach and teach at. And, uh, so yeah, so my best, uh, my best bench press ever, um, in competition was, uh, 405, although I did four five for five reps at one point. And my best, my best competition deadlift with was 700 pounds and my best competition squat was 600, um, I squ- I actually am now an old man. I, I squatted five fifty the other day and I deadlifted six seventy five not too long ago. So Hey, just, um, just just
0: for clarification, for anybody that thought if you if you're a fan of the podcast, if you thought I wasn't fucking around about being from fucking Tucson, Arizona, like <laughs> this is my fucking this is my fucking bro. Like we, we, we've kept each other in our in our in each other's orbits for, for a long time for reasons. Like like that's my fucking bro right there. Like, that's my fucking brother. So so what the fuck do you got with yours? Like
2: <laughs> Yeah, I I, I I like powerlifting. I like lifting. Um did a little bodybuilding but that was very short lived. But uh yeah, I enjoy you know, I enjoy strength sports, I enjoy combat sports, um do a little bit of jujitsu here and there. My kids are in jujitsu and wrestling. Um you know, so yeah,
0: that's good. That's I, said. I see. John, I see John put uh, put the meme up. Like that's that's a uh, that's a uh, that's a meme for for uh, Shia LaBeouf, obviously. Like just smiling all happy with glassy eyes. You know, and it says uh, when you see your homies doing good, and that's like every time I see Chris, my brother, our, our brother Pablo, our brother Mark. You know, like we've got a lot of friends, man. Like when you see your fucking buddies doing good, man, like you just proud as fuck. So. That's fucking, uh, dude. It was awesome, awesome talking to you today, man. Like this was, this was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun.
1: Yep. And before, and before we hit the final thought, I just, I just want to throw in a few, just a few announce, just one announcement. Check uh, with my new production venture. It's called Clean Sanchez Productions. Ha ha. <laughs> uh, the. <laughs> No, just want to, just wanna promote that I am producing a podcast with Joe Poe and Kobalis. They are the host of this venture called The Late Brunch. Check it out on Apple and Spotify and Anchor. Also, if you guys listen or watch the podcast, we are we are heard on thirty five states in the United States and, and over and over eleven countries around the world. Let it, let us know where you're from. Hit us up. Uh, leave a comment, subscribe uh tell tell us what you think of the show tell us what you don't like about the show and jay if you'd like to announce our guest for next week
0: yeah absolutely and do, do you want me to just segue into the uh, final thought from there or
1: yeah yeah and i just want to say chris i appreciate you coming on today it's this was truly this is very truly inter- interesting for me as someone who who's not into that into that realm of 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 stories but it's interesting to get into the mind of someone who creates that world one thing that I thought was very interesting about what you write is that you've created a whole lore around this, uh, on your on your website. There, there's a map. I, I, I don't want to mispronounce the, hath hath hathlegane hathlegane, you know i i'm 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 a sucker and i'm such a i'm such a fan for for worlds created around stories and and everything that goes around it so i i wish you much success i i'm very happy that you came today and truly grateful that you were here to to tell us about your processes and your stories thank you
2: well, I appreciate you guys, and, and I know that um, both of you guys are, are veterans, and a lot of the people that watch your podcast are veterans, and um, I can't thank you enough for the service and sacrifice that you guys have given our country. I tell people all the time that I didn't have the balls to do that. Um, and I don't believe that want, for a second, and you didn't miss a fucking thing. So, um, <laughs> well, I just, uh, you know, I... I think that it's awesome. I, unfortunately, I feel like sometimes our our government uses our our military folks, and then once they're done, they're done. And so I am um, incredibly proud of Jason, and and I'm 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 Your happy. Brother. Your guys, brother,
0: too. Don't so forget Dan.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I'm just happy that that um, there's a uh, you guys are reaching out to um, other veterans and the the general public, and and kind of you know, giving your story. And, um, I think that's awesome because like I said, I just, you know, even though, yeah, Jason mentioned, mentioned that things have changed since nine 11 a little bit, but, uh, there's still people out there that just don't understand what it's like to including myself to be, to serve, to be in the military, to devote that major portion of your life to, to service. So thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. So, um, so next
0: week um, we have another another uh, bona fide uh, guest coming that uh, will be coming live from Tucson, Arizona. Uh it's gonna be his name is Pablo Martinez. He was featured on the TV show uh was it Forged in Fire, right? Forged in Forged Fire, Fire.
1: Which which Forged in Fire. We got to watch the episode, which you got bl- watch, blew yeah, your yeah, mind.
0: I had actually when you weren't yeah, John, when you were in Kansas City last week, we actually watched the episode together. We we bought it off Amazon we watched the episode. I'd never I, I remember Pablo talking to me about it when he was going through it, but I had never seen it. So I finally sat down and watched the episode, and uh, Pablo, along with Chris, are is, is, is like two of my best friends. And the three of us were kind of like a little uh, trifecta uh, for, for several years.
2: A trifecta of success. More like a trifecta of terror, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, Oh, man. He's frozen like ice. Like,
0: be, um, that's probably uh, so You froze a so second,
1: like, Jay. You may have to say what you said again because you froze a second.
0: I was I was saying Chris Chris was correct. Like it was more more of a trifecta of terror. Like we were <laughs> we were y- we were young and we were young and we were still discovering ourselves and we were we were who we were. <laughs> <And> so
1: <laughs> I if, love it.
0: If you. If if you if you were good if you were good with us you were good and if we didn't like you I'm sorry I, I all I can say is I'm sorry 20, 20 years later all I can say is I'm sorry because <laughs> we probably were not good to you right so asshole pride not gonna, yeah, asshole pride <laughs> asshole pride like oh yeah by the way John we we John I, I, I gotta mention you've heard you've heard Chris refer to me as Jason like multiple times on this podcast like, uh, yeah this is this is one of those this is one of those guys I told you about like. Chris is on a very short list of people. Like I will, I will allow people. Yeah, to Call me. Jason. I know. If they've know, if they know me long enough, the minute, the minute somebody knows my name is Jason and they call me Jason, I'm like, I correct them. I'm like, excuse me, I go by Jason. I just found out yeah, from
1: a phone call cool. a couple of weeks ago. From that's right. From, from a call from a caller ID.
0: <laughs> you didn't even, yeah. You didn't even know my actual name is Jason. Like my actual name is Jason, and you, you know, like Chris is on a very short list. where like, I will not correct him from calling me Jason. Like that's. He knows me as Jason, and that's that's it. It's like my family. Like that's that's how cl- that's how tight it is. So, so next week we got Pablo, Chris. Thank you very very much. Like Ugh. holy shit, man! It's all, always a pleasure. Always always a pleasure. And I look, oh. I definitely look forward to Arizona next. You know, next time. You know, next time we get down there. So I almost, your
1: I almost, forgo- <laughs> I almost forgot, Jay. What I almost forgot. For ten percent off your next order of Rogue Energy. Okay. Oh, where's the camera? Whoops. I moved the camera today. uh, Use code DD214GAMING for 10% off your order today. There are many, many different flavors. Make sure you get it today. Also, make sure you use code DD214GAMING for $5 off your next art commission from Kobalis Designs. Also, don't forget to check out veteran-owned business Blaze Online.
0: That's right. That's right. If if, If you're doing the Rogue Energy... That shit will make you fucking hear colors and see sounds, ladies and gentlemen. You fucking blast a rail that shit and go hit the gym, you're going to be fucking like hitting personal bests every fucking day. So drink that shit. Use it. All right? That's what's up. Thank you for our sponsor, fucking Rogue Affiliate. Roger that. All right, so final thoughts. Uh, I just want to update a couple things on the situation in Afghanistan. As of about two hours ago, uh, they told everybody to shelter in place, Any anybody that's Western basically. To shelter in place. The embassy is officially closed. Alright. Taliban entered the pres- the pres- presidential palace in Kabul. About two hours ago. And as of about ten minutes ago. There's a Taliban official that says. They will soon declare the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. From the presidential palace in Kabul. Ladies and gentlemen. The war in Afghanistan is officially over. Alright. So uh, thoughts and prayers I guess. if uh, If you're the thinking or praying type. Uh, for all the people that are still there. And uh, while we're on that topic, I just want to, as we do every week uh, with our final thought, I want to encourage everybody. um, If you're having certain feelings about all this going down and you're having certain feelings about certain things, uh, maybe it was your service. Maybe it was uh, your questioning reality. And was it worth it? Was it in vain? X, Y, and Z, whatever's going through your head right now. I want to encourage you guys to reach out to your battle brothers and battle sisters. I want to encourage you guys to reach out to your family members, your loved ones. Uh, me and Chris, I, I know I can call Chris. Chris, can, Chris knows he can call me two 30 in the morning, three, three o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter. Um, I want to encourage people that are on the receiving end of a phone call. Answer your fucking phones. Okay. If if you're getting a phone call at two or three in the morning, yeah, you might be getting drunk dialed, but you know what? Sometimes people just want to hear a friendly voice. So answer your fucking phones. Okay, Uh, please don't make um, a decision in the spur of the moment that you can't take back. Okay, Uh, I know John's experienced it. I've experienced it. Um, When we lose people, we lose them for good and we don't really get that time back. So pretty pleased with sugar on top. If you're feeling a certain way, especially on a day like today where Afghanistan is probably going to be announced that it has officially fallen within the next two hours, um, please please be responsible. Um, If you happen to be ingesting this particular drug right here, I want to remind everybody to wait until you sober up before you make any hasty decisions. Okay. Um, That drug is probably very loosely tied to a lot of indirect deaths that probably would not have occurred if said person had probably just slept it off and sobered up in the morning. So please be responsible out there. Please make phone calls. Uh, National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. All right? Please, please reach out. Talk to somebody. It's okay to get your feelings out. I've said it many times before on this podcast. I've been seeing a therapist for the last two years. I talk to somebody. All right? I'm Staff Sergeant in the United States Army. I have a therapist, okay, for reasons, because I'm not afraid, you know, to, to understand that I needed I needed something else. I needed some help in my life that I wasn't getting in my regular life, so I went and saw a therapist. So, therapists are freaking uh, a lot cheaper uh, than funerals. So, uh, so please, please be responsible. Please be responsible drinking. We hope all of you guys have a great week ahead. Uh, we look forward to having uh, our next guest, uh, our, our guest next week, Pablo. Chris, again, thank you very, very much for your time. This was very enlightening and eye opening. And it was it was really fun, like hearing you kind of philosophize on the writing game and uh, and how you how you have approached it in the last several years. So thank you very very much for that. So appreciate
1: it, guys. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen.